Welcome everybody, my name is Mikal Nasrani and this is Islam for Christians. Episode 40, Hadith, That Which Does Not Concern You. On the authority of Abu Huraira, who said, The Messenger of Allah said, Part of the perfection of one's Islam is leaving that which does not concern him. This is a very short, very important hadith. So important, actually, that despite it being so brief, it made its way into the famous 40 hadith collection. Now, the 40 hadith collection is a collection of 40 hadiths by a famous Muslim theologian. And these 40 are supposed to encapsulate the Islamic faith. But why? Why is this so important? This may not look like much to Christians, but this hadith follows an Islamic pattern of offering practical advice as well as spiritual advice. Though I probably shouldn't say it like that. That's not entirely fair. Um, those things aren't as separated in the Muslim mind as in the Christian mind, though. Um, and that's kind of the point I'm trying to get across. You know, and it's something Christians really, really need to hear sometimes because there are plenty of things you can just ignore. Let it be. Leave it alone. It's good for you. You know, especially <laughs> in our modern society today, you can just ignore things. Let it go. And one reason I particularly like this hadith is because my younger self, the younger version of me, would have heard this and discounted it entirely just thought it was worthless. <laughs> you know, this is yet another Hadith you may have to live at least 30 years to actually understand. And seriously, getting old is a wonderful thing. I don't know why so many people are obsessed with youth and the young. Um, you know, for those young people listening, I highly recommend getting old. It's not as bad as you think. Actually, it's wonderful. If I could have the choice between being 20 and 40, I would take 40 in a heartbeat. You know, I'm a long way from being officially old, say, retirement age. That's several decades away. But I'm already basking in the mental comforts of old age. Because when you age, at least for some of us, you tend to gradually, year by year, little by little, you shed all the things that you pretended to care about, but never truly did. Now, these things will vary wildly, person by person. And if you're like me, it's as simple as admitting that playing pirate with your daughter is an infinitely better Friday night than going to a bar with some people and pretending you are having fun, or leaning into things that are powerfully uncool in most circles. That's fun, too. <laughs> At least when you're 40. It doesn't matter if it's uncool. That's almost actually more appealing than something that is cool. And you can just view the world with an aloof and joyful grouchiness. But the point is, when you're older, you don't need to pretend anymore. You do what makes you happy without regard to who is watching. You stop trying to impress people. Social pressure doesn't really work anymore. You roll your eyes at the things the larger society tells you are very, very important. 
you understand the lies that frame reality for the bulk of society, and you're free to be yourself in a way that is infinitely more difficult for young people. You are leaving behind that which does not concern you. And as Muhammad observes, this is a critical practice not only for life, but for religion as well. Well, ideally life and religion are the same thing. I don't mean to separate those two, but in my culture, that's often the case. Which is also why in America, and in the West more broadly, Islam and the more generalized counterculture tend to intersect way more often than you'd think and in very surprising ways. I know this because I've lived it. I first absorbed the theme of this hadith probably 20 years ago, long before I had even heard of the word hadith. Um, and I think this kind of came into my mind recently uh, because uh, Meatloaf died. For those who don't know, Meatloaf was a singer and a performer. And uh, he played a character called Robert Paulson in a movie called Fight Club back in the day. This was around the turn of the century. And for a brief period, I was obsessed with the movie Fight Club. Not because I was interested in fighting anyone. Uh, that part always confused me a bit. And I thought it distracted from the better themes of the story. But I was really into the rest of the movie. The character of Tyler Durden was almost a millennial ascetic, denouncing the world I was so inundated by at the time, and exhausted by at the time. Granted, that character was not a religious man, more of a nihilist, really, but he represented the counterculture that can just as easily be found in religion. He would th say things like, No fear, no distractions. The ability to let that which does not matter truly slide. Impressing people is a distraction. Consumer culture is a distraction. Not only a distraction, but it's really the road to slavery. Basically, this movie was saying you need to shed these things like you're tossing heavy objects out of a sinking airplane. Only then can you fly to something truly meaningful. Or even if there's no meaning, at least it will lead to something interesting. Fight Club was a nihilistic punch at another form of nihilism. The empty prosperity of McMansions and boy bands and just all the other features of the late 1990s. I was very young at the time, but even I was able to understand the malaise of this period in American history. Now, if you're not from America, maybe it wasn't like this at all, but here it definitely was. And it was a strange time for Malays when you think about it, because the late 90s were an odd redux of the 1950s. Prosperity and conformity were everywhere. The economy was booming, and even teenagers had clout in the labor market. It was so hot. Everyone wanted to look clean cut and prosperous. Even Metallica, the ultimate heavy metal band, cut their hair to fit in. It was an amazing moment when that happened. But underneath all of this, there was an intense dissatisfaction. I know because I felt it, and I talked with people about it, even before Fight Club came out. Um, and because, Jesus said, man shall not live on bread alone. And this period just encapsulated that 
in a perfect way. As Fight Club's main character put it, we're an entire generation pumping gas, waiting tables, slaves with white collars. Advertising has us chasing cars and clothes, working jobs we hate so we can buy things we don't need. We're the middle children of history. No purpose or place. We have no great war. No great depression. Our great war is a spiritual war. Our great depression is our lives. Now, this is a seed, although expressed in a testosterone-driven, nihilistic framework. This theme is actually similar to the one Muhammad is planting. It's addressing the same concern, just with a more constructive and useful frame. This hadith is the Islamic version of that same theme, and the specifics change from time to time. Because nowadays, the problem isn't so much consumerism and chasing nonsensical material gains. I mean, it is, but it's not the biggest thing. This is the age of the smartphone and social media. If consumer was the main, consumerism was the main spiritual problem, so to speak, 20 years ago, now I think it's distraction. Uh, because the time we live in is not the Great Depression. It's the Great Distraction. And if Muhammad were here now, he'd engrave this month's hadith onto every smartphone on earth. I can safely say, without hyperbole, that we are the most distracted people in the history of our species. Never before have people been surrounded by pointless drivel, worthless content, and an infinite supply of garbage that does not deserve our attention. Now, 1,400 years ago, this was less of a problem, but Muhammad made it a priority nonetheless. Even ancient people concerned themselves with things they should not. So how about examples? What's on the list of things that do not concern you? At least in our time. Um, I think a primary example of this would be gossip. Islam makes this more of an emphasis than Christianity seems to, but yes, gossip is a vice. Sorry, it just it just is. At least from a religious worldview, it is. You know, and denouncing this kind of thing is, is about as popular as denouncing drinking, gambling, and casual sex. But yes, technically, gossip is a bad thing, and it hurts people. Now, in the West. I'm not sure many people even think about that, you know, that gossip is wrong, particularly in a world full of reality TV shows where everyone backbites and yells at everyone for entertainment. I'm not an expert on these shows, I'll admit. It basically sounds like cows mooing at each other to me, so I've never actually immersed myself in that world, but it's a shockingly large part of the culture that we live in. The point is to work you up, to manipulate you emotionally, and to get you spiritually invested in something that does not matter. Now, it's just a small distraction, and it seems to make some people happy. So what's the problem? Well, not that much, probably, as long as you're not taking it too seriously. But if Muhammad had an iPhone, he'd probably say the words of this hadith, and then, if someone asked him what he meant by that, he'd pull up a clip of the real housewives of Mecca or Medina or something like that. Now, 
I don't mean to pick on people who like this stuff. Really, it's okay. <laughs> um, you know, for a few years, I was into professional wrestling, and it's basically the same thing. But it is a spectacular example of wasting a person's finite resources on what is essentially wasted breath. You know, in these shows, words don't mean anything. Uh, and you could say the same thing about much of the cable news industry, social media, and other things that draw us to care. And I mean really, really care about things that do not concern us and will have no impact on our lives. We have all been sucked into this trap. I certainly have. You know, don't think I'm somehow above this. I have cared and continue to care about many things that just don't matter. I just hope to reduce it a little bit every year. This is one of those instances where spiritual advice and practical advice are actually quite similar. You don't even need to believe in God to understand that many things should just be shrugged off and ignored. Not for moral reasons, although that certainly helps, but simply because they represent wasted effort that can be applied in more useful places. The advice Muhammad is giving here isn't much different than a coach, you know, yelling at an athlete to focus only on things that you can control, not what the ref's doing. Control the things that you can control. You know, an athlete cannot control the crowd or the random bits of bad luck that happen during the course of the season. What can an athlete control? Training, fitness, preparation, scouting, focus. An athlete cannot focus properly while consumed with things that do not concern him. The ancient Stoics called these things externalities, things that cannot be controlled and thus should not concern you. So speaking of the Stoics, here's something from the philosopher Epictetus. He said, There is only one road to happiness. Let this rule be at hand morning, noon, at night. Stay detached from things that are not up to you. Epictetus was a contemporary of Paul, um, just to give you an idea of the time when this was actually being said. And he also lived among the Greeks like Paul did, but Epictetus was not a Christian. Um, here's the Christian version of that sentiment, by the way, from the Gospel of Matthew. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Now, the odds are very good that Epictetus never heard of the God of Abraham, let alone Jesus. But that's still solid wisdom from any angle, and you can see how similar it was to the Gospel of Matthew, which was written in a similar time. And I think Muhammad would agree with both those things I just read, not just because it's helpful for living in the physical world, but because it's a reminder of a human's place in the universe. What ultimately happens to the world is not up to us. It is up to God. You could live within that framework, or you can commission blueprints for the Tower of Babel. Why do you think Muslims say, Inshallah, when they talk about the future? 
Why do I say that at the end of every episode? I don't know what will happen to me in the near future. I don't know if I'll be talking to you again. I might lose my voice. I might lose my mind. I might decide this show is no longer worth it and just stop recording. A tornado could rip through my house. I might get struck by lightning. I might be shot in a robbery the next time I walk into a bank. I might crash the next time I'm in my car. A nuclear bomb may be detonated over my head. Yes, all those things could happen. But are they worth thinking about? Are they up to me? No. So ideally, I should just ignore them. I should take Muhammad's advice to leave alone that which does not concern me. Thank you, and I'll talk to you next time. Inshallah. Thank you for listening to Islam for Christians. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to keep this show ad-free, you can also visit my Patreon page and subscribe. I'm at patreon.com slash Islam for Christians. That's patreon.com slash Islam for Christians.